Okay, so picture it. You're settling down for a wholesome evening of playing Mario Kart on your Switch, and you have the first pick to play any character. Obviously, you're going to pick Luigi. Now, of course, that's just a little video game picking pro tip for you. When it comes to picking a financial advising tool, which is, I guess, arguably more important than picking the Mario Kart character with the best death stare, you shouldn't settle for average either. So why settle for the same old average investing tool? Now there's a smarter way to manage your money. It's called Betterment. Betterment is an online financial advisor for people who refuse to settle for average. They use cutting edge technology to build personalized portfolios and help you make more from your investments. Then they guide you along the way with advice to help you make smart financial decisions. All of this for one low transparent fee. Plan for retirement. Reach your financial goals. Make the most of your money. Don't settle for average investing. Demand better. Betterment. Outsmart average. Investing involves risk. Quality control listeners can get up to one year managed free by visiting betterment.com slash quality. That's betterment.com slash quality. My guest today is Chris Plant, and I brought him here to talk about Red Dead Redemption 2. Turns out there's a ton to talk about, so this is a good long one. This is Dave Tack, and you are listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Chris Plant, welcome back to Quality Control. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for playing many, 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 many hours of uh, Grand Theft Horse. Mm -mm, Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's the title. Yeah, see what I did there? Mm -mm, Yeah, my favorite part about that is how it's a joke from 10 years ago. (laughs) I am always, always (laughs) lagging about 10 years behind. (laughs) Cool, cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm on brand. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, we're st- starting it off slowly, basically. <laughs> Slap happy. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, we've both played an awful lot of this game, although you've played more than me. At this point, you've completed, well, I guess we should be clear, like you completed the story, which is not necessarily, hey, this is a video game, not necessarily the same thing as completing completing the game, right? Yes, the game has an epilogue, and now I am in the epilogue, uh, but I have completed the core of the game. So yeah, it's been a long time coming, I think, uh, highly anticipated. You know, I think Rockstar, the studio that makes this uh, game that's coming to Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and not PC yet, although if it follows the Grand Theft Auto V model, that will be coming yeah. maybe next year. But uh, this is kind of Rockstar's, like, well, before this, I would argue, this is kind of Rockstar's other franchise beyond Grand Theft Auto, but I I get the feeling that this is... um this is sort of a statement about how this is not the other thing we do, but, like, this was created with the idea that this franchise will stand toe-to-toe with Grand Theft Auto. Did you get that feeling at all? Yeah, I I, I uh, am comfortable saying this as somebody from the Midwest, but mm. it feels like this is flyover country, Grand Theft Auto. Huh, uh, okay. And, and that, like... And there are going to be very minor spoilers. I, I promise not to go into the story, but I, I know yep. people are going to be very sensitive. So just if if you're ultra sensitive to this, maybe wait until you've had a chance to play. But yeah, Grand Theft Auto seems very interested in the idea of like big city centers, right? Yeah. In the coasts and like really sticking it to coastal elites <laughs> and the American systems that you know power uh places like new york and la where this game and really the red dead series taken as a whole effectively covers 50 percent of the rest of america in terms Mm -hmm. of just ground it covers effectively texas as a franchise texas and the american south yes it covers a lot of ground in this one. That's a surprise to me, actually, that I would argue this is a Western, right? I don't, I, I genuinely don't believe you have to be in the West. Like, Firefly was a Western, and it took place in outer space, right? <laughs> sure, but this sure. is not a game that takes place, like, in Montana. I think right? I disagree with you, though. I, well, this, you this would be great. wrong, can, but that's okay. We, we can kick off with the, <laughs> with the story. So just, like, to lay, lay, lay the groundwork, 
The idea is that you are a member of this larger gang. You are not the leader. You're, you're kind of maybe like a right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And your group, which includes uh, John Morrison, the star of Red Dead 1, uh, which this is a prequel to, is coming off of a botched job in Texas, or the game is equivalent of Texas. Right, a mysterious botched job. Yeah, yeah, and you are being pushed east, which means you're being pushed into the American South. And the reason I, I'm not sure it is a Western is it's not really about Western things. It, it's it's about what happens. It's kind of a fish-out-of-water story hmm. of what happens when these cowboys get put in a setting that is so much bigger and more complicated than they are prepared to grapple with. Um, they're accustomed to, I think, kind of the simplistic supposed ideals uh-huh. of of the American West, and suddenly they are in the Gilded Age American South yep. and coming in contact with the politics and the bigotry and violence that is a part of that, and they just seem utterly unequipped to one to to you know compete with these people but two to even really understand american history or or what's going on a a number of times uh your character arthur uh, he's profoundly naive comes up uh against prejudice and is utterly shocked to find out that it exists yeah so it's weird and and you you have the tra- I think you have the trappings of the Western when you're not in your missions when you're riding your horse and uh-huh. you're in camp and you're cooking and doing all those things, but the story itself it it really is almost about the failures of criminal organizations and sure. uh, and cults really like this uh-huh. Rockstar has always been really really interested in cults especially like lampooning them in their silly ways with GTA 5 and GTA Online, where it's always like, oh, these are kind of like goofy and shouldn't be taken seriously despite, you know, the real dangers of them. But I think if you take this game for what it is, it's a game about a cult, and specifically the cult of personality around this gang leader um, and what happens when you buy into that. And I think that's a good transition into Arthur as a character, too, because you you called him profoundly naive i think that's a fair read it's not exactly how i would put it i think arthur's well you know what let me let me even step back right at the beginning of the game i was like i had to turn on an option i didn't have to i turned on the option in the menus to show the speaker in subtitles Mm. because i was so um because there were many situations where, like, I didn't really know who Arthur was in those first few <laughs> hours as a character, right? Yeah. And then people would be talking, and I'd think, wait a minute, am I saying this or is somebody else saying this? And so, like, the game begins with Arthur as, like, I'm not sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy or somewhere in between, and I'm not even sure when I'm talking. And eventually, yeah. to my actual surprise, like really do believe that I know who Arthur is, even though the beginning of the game does not spend a ton of time like building up who the character is. Yeah. And that, that his part of who he is goes back to that profoundly naive thing where I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that I would use that phrasing uh, so much as I would use like a dude who is checked out. Like he, he has no dog in any hunt and it does come off as uh, I mean, maybe a little strange when he's, shocked to when he, when he appears shocked to find out that like in reconstructionist southern america there's racism and stuff but it's yeah. also like a way to not to like i think for rockstar to deal with the what was going on at the time without like presenting you a moral choice where you have to choose which side you're on yeah you know what I'm, i mean yeah I, i'm i'm mixed i i I have really complicated feelings around Arthur and, and the decision to make him like this. I think he is just completely absent-minded and out of touch because the game kind of presents really, really serious issues like history lessons. And it's Arthur as kind of the as, – as a reporter, you have to do this where you you don't want to – have the answers right you want to ask questions to get the answers right so you that sounds strange and i'll explain it a little more but he he's often having to like ask like oh um 
so plantations, people are lynched here. Like, and it's like, what? You, you're, you really, you don't know anything about this at all? You're, you're, you're that out of touch? But mm-hmm. then it allows the characters to give, you know, like a four minute kind of primer, as grim as that is, on on the history of plantations mm-hmm. and tenant farming and, and all, of, all of these other things that are, it ends up being that certain characters just have to become the mouthpiece for certain yes. causes. Right. And they don't, to be fair, they don't. There's no. I don't know what's the term like. Both sides ism here. Hey. Like it's it's. I, I don't. I don't think that any of the. I don't. Again, no no specific spoilers are here in in most of what we talk about, right? But there are say active plantations that can't use slavery anymore, and they don't. But they and they don't like Rockstar doesn't treat them as uh, particularly sympathetic characters. That that's true. But a thing that I that I do find, and I, I honestly, I'm still like grappling with, like, how do you do this? That's a that's a credit to the game, right? That that there is grappling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So <laughs> so I, my my issue is they. It's a lot of telling and not showing, and it's okay. not like I want to see. You know, awful uh, Uh race crimes or violence in this game. At the same time, it completely betrays history. Um, And and, and an example of this, I think, is really clear, is you, you come across the KKK a number of times in the game. Not in any story mission, so far as I can tell. It's just part of... And we can transition to this after this. You have these dynamic run-ins with people. And every single time I run in with the KKK, before I can even just obliterate them and, you know, use this as some weird uh, violence uh, fantasy, they... Again, spoiler for 15 seconds, if you care about an incidental thing, they kill themselves. Their plate is total slapstick morons and that's not how it worked <laughs> like it, they were part of a mechanism that was ruthlessly violent and efficient in in one killing um innocent black people and other people of color in in the south but also across america but also just creating an institution where people weren't allowed places and that is not portrayed much as far as i can tell at all in this game where it doesn't really matter who you are people just walk through every city and they're all kind of all npcs are traded equal so it's this weird thing of like how do you design for that right like um i think mafia 3 handled this in a lot of interesting ways but I think here it's they create a lot of systems, but creating a world that actually reflects what was going on culturally uh-huh. at that time, I just don't think it's there. And I think that was a decision, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, that's an uncomfortable thing to put into a game. But it is this weird thing where they talk about it so much that then for it not to really be reflected in the world is is strange. Point taken. Point taken. Just maybe to to, to cap it off. I think this is part of an ongoing trend in video games, right? We talked about this on something similar to this, right? On on the Tomb Raider episode yeah. that me, you, and Charlie were on, right? Where games are, uh, to varying degrees of success, attempting to wrestle with these sorts of things. Uh-huh. It's it's an ongoing process. The criticism of it is an ongoing process, and, and I think everybody will come to their decision about how these games deal with this stuff. But, I, you know, it's it's a trend worth pointing out and talking about it for the first, you know, 13 minutes of this, this yeah. episode. And, and, and the thing I do want to say that I think this game does so much better than any Rockstar game before this mm-hmm. is at least it does take the story seriously. Um, there's still hints of that, like, Rockstar irony, satire. Oh, we're really, we really got to, you know... A grind on on Americana and and uh-huh. the history of America that just never has really clicked for me and always felt a, a bit um, I don't know grotesque. There, there's a little bit of it here when you go into theaters. I think pretty much any theater that you go to, the shows that you see are are these weird bits that feel completely at odds with the rest of the game's tone. But for the most part, the main story is is pretty grounded, barring some late game stuff 
it, it, it tries to be grounded. It tries to take these characters seriously. It tries to take their pains uh-huh. and their, their wants seriously. And it is so refreshing to play this game where it seems like it actually cares about these people, all of them. And that, it makes for a, such a more, en- a more enjoyable experience to spend so many hours in this world. Even if it does mean that, you know, people like Arthur are, are a little too, like unbelievably <laughs> on the, uh, a- angelic for supposed criminals, it, it's, it makes it more enjoyable. So you know that thing that happens when you're playing a game and you're super into it and your palms get sweaty? I don't think that form of like gaming anxiety only happens to me. Like, you've been there, right? Well, I bring it up because coming up next, you're going to hear an advertiser segment from Betterment about how to avoid the anxiety that comes with managing your finances. I said this last time, but I think these are pretty cool. It's like a little podcast inside of a podcast. Do you know the emotion most often associated with money? Anxiety. (laughs) Anxiety, right? We've all felt that. But where does it come from? There's kind of a couple of different components to it. Some of them are really practical and they're valid, right? Like... Money is the ability to buy things that you need. We have other components of anxiety about money, which are more about just the social and psychological components of it. You can see other people spending money, but not other people saving money. That's Dan Egan. He's the director of behavioral finance and investing with Betterment, an online financial advisor that reduces investment anxieties by helping clients set and meet goals. When you sign up to Betterment, we're going to ask you a lot of questions that are just practically useful. You know, like, are you married? Where do you live? How much money do you make? Because that influences what are the best account types to use? What kind of tax breaks can you use? How much do you need to be saving and over what period of time? According to Egan, the results of this can be summed up in one word. Uh, Elation. When you have that sense of accomplishment of having hiked up a very large mountain and gotten to the top and you can see for miles, it really pays off a lot more than you expect and those kind of memories stick with you for longer. Betterment. Outsmart average. Please remember investing involves risk. This has been advertiser content from Betterment. Thanks for that note from Betterment. To learn more about their tools, visit betterment.com slash quality. Okay, let's talk about Red Dead 2 some more, specifically about its main character. What's interesting about Arthur to me, and I I say interesting deliberately because I haven't sort of rendered my final judgment on this, but like he is Arthur, I think, I think good at his core, but, but also entirely willing to do uh, somewhat uh, gross things. Yeah. Right? Like, like you went, when you have the option to choose, I always choose the like good option, right? The sort of paragon thing, right? Cause that's, that's who I want to play as. I, I want to be a good guy, <laughs> but like there are missions where you straight up have to just go and beat up poor farmers who can't pay back their debts. And there is, I thought that was, it is strange, right? Like Dave. you're trying to be a good guy and you have to do it. But then again, and this is sort of my evolution on my Arthur yeah. thinking is it, it it does actually work for his character because he is a guy he, like he is both. Uh, he's like an out de- an idealist and an outlaw. He's checked out, but he has to deal with things like he can't fully check out. And it's this you're you're thrown into these situations where you can choose to be good or you just have to be bad. And then occasionally he sort of steps back and ruminates on the bad things he's done. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes that is just presented to you in like 15 second little cutscenes. Other times you only find out about Arthur and what he's thinking by taking action by say reading his journal or making a choice to speak to somebody in camp and, and, and in a completely optional interaction, you find out that Arthur's been, feeling weird and guilty about randomly killing animals yeah can uh, so <laughs> i i'm, I'm going to take this in a very strange direction that i would only do um with you uh, because i think you will have some opinion on this and uh, first off not calling the catholic church a cult is <laughs> where okay. i'm going to start this conversation All right but but as as a catholic i've been uh there is uh uh the bishop of my hometown kansas city uh, okay. He got shipped to Wyoming, and there was a big uh, report about uh, uh, a lot of horrible things that he was allowed. He might be yep. the first uh, bishop okay. in the U.S. to actually be sentenced. 
which is really interesting and horrible um, and something I've been like thinking about a lot while playing this game. Yeah. And a thing that I was thinking about with, with this character and how I sometimes feel as a Catholic of what happens when you deeply believe in the, the, like, the original ideal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there are good people within yeah. the group who are who are participating in the ideal. Yes. But something about the institution has gone rotten. Yeah. And you find yourself even even just like when I tithing, right? Of like, what does this mean? Like yeah. is yeah. am I contributing to in some capacity, legal funds for these for these people, right? And and I, I, I like I said, this is a long walk, uh, <laughs> and and we're we're now far away from this video game. But that was something that, if I'm giving a really generous read to his naivete, was before we met this guy, he is at his core a good person, and he believes that he is a, effectively Robin Hood, right? Yeah. Um, and that there is a good cause here. Yeah, and. There is they they do this sort of uh, depending on your read of it interesting or weaselly thing where uh, in every example I can think of where you have to do something outlawish there's always a line or two where they talk about like where they basically make you think or, or give you the out and say like we're only stealing from the bad guys you know that yeah. sort of thing right they do that constantly where <laughs> yeah. if if you want if you want an excuse to feel better about what you're about to do, you you have it. It's there. The the big one for me is there are home robbery missions uh-huh. uh, as optional missions, and when I saw those, I was like, "Yikes! Like that is yep. that is a lot." And even with those, before each one, yeah, they give you this like, "Well, sure, it's a home, but actually, it's but... run by you know these like." Yep cultists who are performing blood rituals and it's like oh i, I mean i don't even know if this really counts as a home robbery at this point uh-huh. the way you're making it sound it feel like i'm on a superhero mission yeah and to get back to what you were saying earlier like the you know dutch runs the camp people who played the original red dead no dutch this is a pre red dead one version of dutch and he has that um dichotomy if that's not <laughs> yeah. uh, a ridiculous word to use here um he has that too because at its core on, on one level he's he's a dude who uh who's in charge of an outlaw gang on the other hand he wastes no opportunity to talk about his ideals about you know the freedom and and the promise of america and all of these things and neither of those things is black and white like this whole really the whole game exists in this shade of gray where where I think to your point, it does challenge you to think like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? Can I do the right thing in the context of doing something that may seem wrong? Yeah. And by the way, gameplay wise, (laughs) I think this is the best feeling Rockstar game I've ever played. I know that's a that's a hard turn. Yeah. Like it feels good. I think I agree. I it, it still has all the weird Rockstar issues. Right. Like it's a better version of I wouldn't say the shooting is like revelatory by mm-hmm. any means. Um, it still feels like kind of like GTA shooting. It's still very yep. magnetic. The fist of the hand to hand combat is bad. Like yeah. it's I, I'm honestly shocked that it shipped like this because um, I don't know it, what it, it even is. Uh, yeah. I mean, not not I, I don't I don't want to forgive something that I also agree is not good. But, like, I don't know that anybody solved that problem. Right? I mean, like, I think mm-hmm. of the Uncharted games that tried to, like, every Uncharted game tries to reinvent hand to hand combat and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. It just, it always, want, it, in video games, it, to my, to my mind, it always devolves into, like, yeah. uh, locking the camera and trying to punch and block. Yeah. I think the problem is you have to decide if you want to be cinematic or if you want to, like, give the player control. Right, mm-hmm. like that was the Assassin's Creed thing. Assassin's Creed had this very cinematic fighting, and it solved for it, but it, it got very boring. And then they switched over to the kind of Dark Soulsy action game mm-hmm. combat, but it it loses that cinematic look. Um, and this very much emph- like it it keeps it quick. <laughs> like it, I, the, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, it, it's just and you're not very... locked into those situations all the time either. Yeah, I, 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 it feels to me like there was probably more there, and then. Hmm. 
they cut their losses because it, there, I remember there being enough hype around this at a certain point where like, oh, the combat is, you know, it's just brawling. It's a, 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 of, of the same quality as the shooting, which I don't know. That doesn't maybe say that much. Um, right. Well, I feel like the shooting, at least for me, I don't know how you've played it, but like uh, I would say 99% of the time uh, shoot with Deadeye. Like I don't see any reason not oh, to use Deadeye when I shoot. Um just because well i mean partly because it's cool so the dead eye mechanic for anybody who doesn't know is uh, basically you press a button and you go you slow down time it's you know like bullet time in the matrix and uh when time is slowed down a meter ticks down so you don't have unlimited time in dead eye and what you want to do when you do that is invoke dead eye uh basically aim the little white reticle at somebody's head hit a button Maybe uh, go over to somebody else's head if you think you have enough time in meter. Mark their head, too, and then hit the fire button, and you automatically take two shots at people's heads. And, like, uh, uh, you know, there, there's something about uh, a sort of cowboy game where I feel like I want to shoot from the hip, but I just like Deadeye so much that I, I, I use it at absolutely every opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. It also solves for kind of the slowness of reloads and just the goofy aiming uh, of traditional Rockstar games. Right. Um, I do want to talk about the, like, the giant system of this game, which I do think overall works, but when it doesn't work, it's infuriating. Um, which, it, it, it's the uncanny open valley, I think is the phrasing that we discussed earlier for it, uh-huh. of the entire world, everyone you can greet or antagonize, or you can pull a weapon on. Howdy, partner. And you can rob. And hey there, most, mister. Yep, most of the time, it's just that. Um, it is, I, I would that. say, sub-JRPG in terms of the depth that you mm-hmm. can get from talking to strangers. Um, they say next to nothing. Um, and when you try to make it your own, I think it tends to fail. Um, the two big moments for me early on were there's a, a man that we had captured at the camp and he was begging for food and there's food right next to him and i got it i like held it and there wasn't an option to hmm. give it to him um and when i ate it he got upset so it's like he could see me do that i think but then when i threw it on the ground in front of him it was nothing so you can kind of see this like oh well they planned for me to do this but not that yeah. um the other moment that was really disturbing for me was i just came across a public hanging like a town square hanging and the man's mother is like sobbing in in the crowd watching this and begging that it not happen right and the crowd disperses after the body drops except for her and i go up to her thinking like oh i can you know console her like there must be something to do here or talk to her or at least or greet her um and uh, no nothing the only option that allowed me to have in that moment was pull my gun on her um and it's it's like that weird thing where it wants you to like really live in this world and if you try to do that it just doesn't it it's not ready to meet you there but what i found myself doing later in the game was Oh, I'll, I will never try to make my own story. But if I see... It, it Basically, if it's call and response. Like, if, if something is calling okay. at me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can respond to it with this system, and it will feel pretty natural. So, th- at that point, like, I met a man who had been attacked by wolves, and he was, like, you know, begging me for help, and I could give him whiskey or give him medicine, and I gave him medicine, and he, like, screamed at me because he's like, what is medicine going to do? I'm bleeding out. And then he just died. All right. Yeah. So, like, w- w- I think it works really well um, as, a, as a means of responding to various situations. But even then, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the KKK stuff, like, there wasn't really much of I don't think I had any clear options to get involved with that. Um, not that they even had that much time before. Yeah. Right. to care themselves this brings up one of if not my absolute favorite part of the game which is um it is something that i saw in breath of the wild last year and loved but i think it is that plus like there's more to it which is the the, the world is filled with these sort of uh 
emergent. <laughs> Every word I can think of, bespoke emergent, and then I want to throw up for using both of those words. But there are these situations, right, where you'll be riding down the road and somebody will be calling for your help. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's just, you know, mathematically pulling from a series of things that might happen and then just setting them in front of your path. But practically speaking, those things come up so often and seem so natural and are often really funny yeah. um, that like it it gives it gives that feeling I haven't really had since Breath of the Wild, which is you said this at the very, very beginning when we were just starting to play the game, that part of that, that Red Dead 2 kind of feels like a simulation game, right? Yeah, like like the like they put so much time into creating this world and uh, you know <laughs> writing the code that governs the systems and the practical effect of that is that it just feels like a real world that I'm just sort of moving around in and uh, <laughs> you know not all of those things uh, work <laughs> uh, particularly well but I would in, in at least in my experience because w- what you run into may not be what what I run into right so we can have fundamentally different experiences about the same fundamental thing that's happening in the game but like i have enjoyed all of those things so far like yeah i mean there are things i don't even want to spoil but like a a simple one is that i uh just did a uh, i was testing out fast travel which is a thing in this game in at least three different ways. And uh, I wound up None in a town. good. Uh-huh. And then I wound up in a town and uh, realized that there was a bounty on my head. So I check the map and I go to the place where I can pay my own bounty. And, uh, as, and I went there and I did that. And then as I'm on my way back into the town to see if there's anything to do, I run into this dope. Uh, if anybody has seen... So if you've seen Tombstone, the movie, there's Sheriff uh-huh. Behan, sure, 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 who's, yeah. who's, who's like the dope of and and on the side of the cowboys <laughs> in Tombstone. And there are several characters in this game <laughs> who I think are cut from that from that cloth. And I basically found a Sheriff Behan-like character who was essentially an idiot lost in the woods and couldn't find his way back to the town. And then I, I accepted his invitation and walked him back to town and got some, you know, good guy points and stuff. Now, a uh, couple of things about that. First of all, I guess on one level it was absurd because it was literally one road, a straight shot. Now, uh, on the other hand, the story was like he was afraid to walk back by himself. So essentially I was offering him protection. Uh on the other, but I didn't mind doing that. It was a I have to walk as slowly as possible on my horse for four and a half minutes, but I didn't mind doing it because we had a conversation the whole way there and it was actually uh, interesting. And like they do a lot of, like they don't reinvent, they haven't like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They haven't obsoleted sort of boring, otherwise boring, like, uh, you know, follow missions. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, um, like the fetch when, quests. Thank you. Um, but they have made them interesting because they write these little scripts for for them, right? And I find myself, this is another, this is a, a broader point about the game, which is I think you can learn a lot about how Red Dead Redemption 2 wants to be played by looking at one thing, and, th- and that is Arthur's default movement speed, whether he's on foot or on his horse, and that is slow. In other words, if yeah. you want to jog or run or gallop, you have to take deliberate action. You have to hit a button to move and i think that speaks volumes for how the people who made this game want you to play this game which is that you don't want to run from place like they don't want you to run from place to place because you'll miss things in the middle and there's a cinematic camera mode which is not a camera mode at all it is a you don't need to play the game mode and you can just watch it Mm-hmm. So anytime you are on these missions where you're effectively just need to walk, follow a trail, you hold down A, and then you awkwardly hold down one of the option buttons on the controller. It's the two square button. It makes it so that, that they, they just move on their own, or I think you, maybe you have to still hold down A. I do just in case. Um, yeah. But they follow their own the path, so you don't have to do really anything other than hold down that button. And uh, the camera cuts around to try to make it a little more dynamic. It doesn't mm-hmm. look especially no. cinematic. It does in, like, when it prompts you, like, there are 
oh, quests the, yeah. where yeah. you where, where like there's a two minute ramp up to the actual action of the quest and sometimes it will prompt you to go to cinematic camera which makes it more interesting but when like your <laughs> cinematic i wouldn't recommend anybody use cinematic camera if they're just like traveling because it oh. becomes very confusing I'm, I'm the opposite use it all the time oh, really? um, okay so here here's oh my friend you are about to learn the, the <laughs> joys of cinematic camera right. um, because you have not reached the final right. chapter right. um so the uh fast travel in this game is uh bad um it is you can travel by train stagecoach right. and you have to right. get to them but there are many times in the game where they're locked as far as i can tell including mm. i believe the the end of the core game at which point which is a very fun time for them to be locked um because you have to travel across huge huge stretches of land okay and you can also upgrade your camp to travel from your yep. camp to a location but right, but right. that means but that's a one-way trip yeah too. and you have right. to also get to your camp which is often yeah. not convenient right you find yourself in a situation where you fast travel for free outside of your camp but then you can't fast travel for free back to your camp so you may have to take a train or a stagecoach if you and pay for it if you want to travel back too close to your camp yeah. which by the way you can't travel directly to because it's hidden so what i was doing at a certain point especially in the end was like okay i've got a 10 minute ride ahead of, i think maybe it was faster but it certainly didn't feel like it i'm just gonna switch switch on like cinematic mode and if i hear anybody yelling from the side i can like okay. pull over and do whatever side stuff there wait is. so probably... when you switch to cinematic mode and you're just riding somewhere can you let go of the controls i hold down just goes, a or... i hold down like the a on the controller and i don't have to look at anything oh okay well i didn't know that because i was that's why i was saying i didn't wouldn't recommend cinematic but like yeah. if you just need to hold down the button as if that's actually another i think good innovation in this game is that whatever you're like on your horse and riding to a mission with somebody else if you just hold down uh, a or it's x on playstation 4 you keep pace with the people around you which is which is a solution for the video game thing where like you're going somewhere and you're always walking faster and slower than the other person. It just matches the speed. I think this was in GTA Five and maybe in Red Dead One. I think. Okay. I think okay. for like walking in GTA Five, I could be wrong, but I think this is like a thing that they've honed. I, I know we're we're like running late, so I, I want to hit the core missions of the game, and I think that'll take us back to whether or not this is a western. Go for it. And so the core missions of the game are there are a ton of heists, basically yeah. un, until the end, at which point it becomes an action game and suffers deeply Ooh. but uh, so much of the game is really strong heist missions that have the feel of the best parts of grand theft auto heist and i would say the best missions of red dead one okay um they are group based because you have this gang um and just a real quick aside because i'm trying to burn through now you, sure, you sure. hang out with your gang at a camp throughout this whole time mm -hmm. talk to them as much as possible yes. go slow mm -hmm. talk to them the story works a thousand times better if you make time to get to know these people i was genuinely surprised at how much i started caring for these people i mean that's the idea right like yeah there are people in your camp there are sometimes people who join your camp and eventually you get to know who they are and invest at least a little emotion in them and it rewards you yep. those investments are are definitely paid off so you, you will often go on these missions that are uh, large scale heists whether it's banks or trains or other things that I, I won't spoil. Yep, yep. <laughs> you, the, by the way, it takes a long time in this game to learn all of the things you could do. I mean, dozens upon dozens of hours, which is why, like, in part why you said you don't want to spoil it, because, like, 30-plus hours into the game, I'm still learning new options for things to do. Yeah, yeah. It, and... I mean, these are these are not even like the optional stuff, which, like you said, there's just a trillion things you can do. But these are the, the core missions. So you do these heists, and it has a very heat feel, which the Housers have been trying to, I think, like recreate in video games their entire careers. But because you can only carry so many weapons on your person, you have to unload them off your horse. It'll have this experience where it's like, oh, well, I, before I go into this mission, I know it's going to be close quarters train robbery so i'm gonna put two different shotguns i'm gonna put like a, a automatic and uh or a pump action and a double barrel and i'm gonna load up on you know like heavy pistols 
and and you see your character putting those things on their person and then it's like you and three other people dressed for the thing and you manually put on your mask and it just has this feel and the way the camera just kind of like lugs behind you at close close range yeah it just feels great and and it I'm impressed how many I, I think there's an, uh, 10 hours at least of this game that could be cut away especially from the end of the game heist wise you mean uh, like no, well, just from wise. the main campaign okay but I think these the heists themselves are great um, when the game gets away from the heist or when the heists become just not really heist they become these unwieldy action set pieces that's when I think the game tends to struggle that's um, the that's the back. Yeah, oh of, boy game, right yeah the, 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 again the, no spoilers but the, yeah the, i would say the last 15 hours or so gets very action heavy and it just did not click or resonate with me that said there are some moments at the end of the game that are fantastic so okay. it, yeah. it's still worth finishing and then there is this whole epilogue which who knows what that is i'm, I'm just <laughs> digging into that but when the the, the first I, I don't know 30 hours i guess the mid like after the first 10 hours of just learning 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 the game and then the next 20 to 30 hours of story missions are just really tight i think and it really felt like oh they worked to learn what worked and what people liked about the other games and focused their resources on on just back to back oh oh and that sorry that reminds me of the big thing (laughs) of why i think it's uh why it's not really a western <clears throat> you are terrible at it. That's why it's good. Your gang stinks at <laughs> at, 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 at everything. They're uh, utterly out of their depth in terms of uh, what they're going up against. And that makes for really compelling action. Yeah. It reminds me of Jackie Chan does a lot with this, right? Where it's like oh. every scene has uh, something goes wrong and you have a prop, right? Like there's the okay. gimmick and there's the failure, and like that creates a kind of natural narrative. It also reminded me of uh, the Way of the Gun, a, a modern western starring okay. Ryan Philippe and Benicio del Toro. Um, and the guy who wrote that has written the modern Mission Impossible movies, which I think also do this. Um, which is Ethan Hunt is he fails constantly through modern Mission Impossibles, like things always go wrong because that makes for more exciting and more relatable action mm-hmm. and i i think this game is very very on that wavelength of oh this it's so much more interesting when things go wrong and your group has to find a way to deal with it versus oh well these are just the world's best heisters and <laughs> yeah they'll get through yeah they're kind of dopes yeah uh, it's it's <sighs> I mean this in a good way, although it's going to sound maybe not like that. It's a weird game. And I uh, struggled with that at first. But then when I understood, uh, you know, when I just sort of let go and let the game, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm still playing it. I haven't beat it like, I mean, beat it <laughs> in, in the main story sense, beat it. But... Um, I mean, it is it is it is slow. It is sort of wildly open ended. It is even like contemplative, if that doesn't sound completely idiotic. Like, yeah, they built this pretty, pretty, like this gorgeous world that like um, I would say kind of fails when the camera pulls in close to be, you know, it's not quite gorgeous in, in like character models. But when the camera is like 10 feet away from anything. I, there are things that, that that are that are more beautiful in this game than any game I've ever seen, and when I just married that with the idea that I'm just sort of in this world, like you said, it's kind of a simulation. I'm in charge, just sort of doing what I think Arthur would do or what I decide needs to be done. It, like I said, weird because I haven't played games like that uh, or haven't played many games like that, but. I just soaked it in yeah. eventually. Yeah. That, that's why it makes, even though I haven't been there, it makes sense to me that your criticism of like the last 15 hours of the game or whatever, when it turns into an action game, I could see how that would sort of sour the experience 
to some extent because it's not an action game at its core, right? Yeah. Most of it is sort of going slowly, doing things at your own pace, deciding when to do things. Nobody's yeah. ushering you to, to do something immediately. There are very few ticking clocks, and I just enjoy being in that world. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I look at this game as there are, I think it will upset a million people in a million different ways. <laughs> like, I, I, I think there's so many individual things about the game that people will not like parts of it in each for their own reason. At the same uh-huh. time, there's like a million parts of it that I find just astonishing genuinely astonishing yeah Yeah. and then at the same same time i think of like obviously there's the conversation around you know like the work that goes into making one of these games Mm -hmm. um and the the human cost of this uh, which is real and then that is also like factors into how i grapple with this game right like what does it mean for people to make this hyper-realistic recreation of some pseudo-idealized version of a really twisted part of American history mm-hmm. and, and at the cost of, you know, like, parts of the personal lives for some of those people. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot going on. It is a game that I personally recommend because I think it does so much and it yeah. pushes against the boundaries of what these open world games can be so hard that even when it fails it's interesting and i think there's going to be a valuable conversation around it at the same time it is a game that if people told me i just can't bring myself to play it (laughs) i i I would completely understand (laughs) because it is everything from how it was made to its depiction of America to to just its scope, right? Like, yeah. I, there are a number of people I, I've talked to. I was talking to a, a friend from college last night about this and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And he was like, I mean, I, I, I'm just playing Spider-Man. Like, I know it's not, you know, <laughs> the, the on in terms of like what you actually do in the game, the most ambitious game, but I can like pop in for 15 minutes for sure and get get a kick where he's like i look at trying to play the new assassin's creed odyssey and i hear that you don't get off you don't get to the credit sequence (laughs) until 10 hours in he's like i think that's when i'll finish (laughs) spider-man yeah right and in this game it makes uh, assassin's creed odyssey seem simple (laughs) by comparison i mean it is truly an investment on the scale of the biggest rpgs it is often astounding yeah like as ian i can't i can't believe what i'm looking at a lot of the time i have i have ah dozens upon dozens upon dozens of screenshots that i just took because i want to remember how pretty it is yeah you know things like that like you can see the uh you can see the effort yeah you you can see the 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 long hours you Mm. Really can. <laughs> when, yeah. when the, the, the thing for me of just absurd detail is I was just on a ride into the middle of nowhere and I, I was just like scanning the horizon for all the different animals. And, you know, I saw like the there's rabbits everywhere and they're like bouncing around and there was a deer in the distance. And without even realizing it, I'm like coming across a bend and I look up and like feet from my face is this perfect gallant fox. Uh-huh standing there posed with his head into the wind and like i look at him and the second i look at him he like it's like he notices me looking it felt like and he scatters off uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it is this weird thing of like there is so much going on in this world that i miss this thing that was inches from my character's face um yep. and just like how how did they know how did they how did, right. they, how did, they, how did they, how did the, this box in this position where the light was hitting it just so uh-huh. it looks so perfectly composed and framed and thought out and it's just this thing that was you know algorithmically designed to happen sure right it's it's a bunch of ones and zeros but it feels so real yeah it feels like it has that breath of life so yeah that's that's my feelings about the game how about how about you do you have any final final thoughts I'm I'm still playing. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, in part, ask me again in a couple of weeks or a couple of months, you know, when I've settled on it. But I can tell you right now, in the middle of the game, 
what I said earlier, which is I just I genuinely love just being in it. It gives me it gives my brain stuff to chew on. There's plenty to think about inside and outside of the game, and it's I, I think if I can uh, try to get in the minds of the developers, like reverse engineer what they were going for. They did what you said, so I'll say it for the third time. They created this simulation, and I love the simulation. In in the same way that I felt, again, about Breath of the Wild or earlier this year, God of War. Yeah. Right, where it just feels like a world I want to live in and explore, and that's still uh, that's still pretty rare in, in, yeah. in video games. I don't run into that much, and I'm enjoying this thing that's happening for the first time, you know, this thing that I will think back on. Fondly. Let's let's circle back once you've completed the core of the game, and hopefully by then I'll have completed the epilogue. Because I'm very curious what you will think of the final two chapters of the game. Right. Um, because to I be think continued. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, right. definitely to be continued. And I'm also curious on the opposite end if the epilogue is the op, like if it's more promising how i i'm i'm very curious to figure out how they like what does it mean to continue in the world after the story Mm -hmm. um so this is not the last red dead redemption game yeah yeah i I think that's but where do they go from here i think there's only one way to move forward which is uh we stop this episode and then go play some more red dead that sounds great good (laughs) all right Hey, congratulations. You found the hidden thing at the end of the podcast. Right before we go, I wanted to tell you about Future Perfect, which is a podcast from Vox that's sort of the antidote for bad news. The news today seems really grim. And it sometimes focuses more on problems than on solutions. I'm Dylan Matthews, the host of Future Perfect, a show about possible solutions. Solutions that are a little weird and a little wild but worth considering. What will people say if I treat this person who murdered someone's loved one kindly? Simply tell the Border Patrol to take the day off. Tell them to take the year off. Listen to Future Perfect every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.